just so that there is no confusion, I'm Rosemary, this is Ron. Um, so we're wait, honey. <laughs> I, I think you got that wrong, sweetheart. I don't get things wrong. Well, maybe not, but you can try it again if you like. Because well, what, did, what did I do wrong? Well, you confused us. You gave us the wrong name. I wouldn't do that because I know who you are and I know who I am. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, I know who I am and I know who you are, and that's not what you said. Okay. You're doing this in front of we all just, these people. I, we just made a point. <laughs> it's the really simple things in life that can create confusion. <laughs> it can create conflict, and it starts out as really kind of a low-grade conflict, and if you don't do something about it, it can expand and get worse. Which one of us would not accept the fact that we had made a mistake. <laughs> I think everybody was pointing at me. <laughs> you think so? You I see just thought I'd help you along in case you yes. didn't notice. <laughs> the key to this is the fact that we must take responsibility for the things that we say and do in this relationship. And listen, young people, I want you to understand this. You're gonna hear us make references to couples but that's what we do, we work with couples. But the same principles that apply to couples apply to couples that are dating, apply to singles who are thinking about dating, they apply to brothers and sisters who have to deal with one another on a regular basis. You've got to start learning as early as possible that life is real and it brings challenges. Conflict is real and it brings challenges. And we all experience challenges. I mean, honestly, Perry, that song expressed so much of what, of what it takes in order for this thing called marriage to just grow and to expand. And that's recognizing each other and being able to say, um, I love you, honey. <laughs> you know, it, our inheritance is our home. Mm -hmm. Rosemary and I have been married for 55 years. And it's not necessarily been an easy journey. But we have made it for 55 years. Now, what we're going to do today is kind of give you a parallel between a natural disaster and just normal day-to-day -day life that can create such an erosion within that life that all of a sudden something catastrophic happens and when that explodes, all of a sudden we can really see where the bad areas are. And once we do that, then we have choices of how we're gonna deal with it. Mm -hmm. uh, we got married at 18. Okay, you're not on. I'm not on. Oh, there you there are. There we go. <laughs> We got married when we were 18, three months out of, three months out of high school. Um, before we had our first anniversary, we had our first child. And the people that were giving us advice said, you're gonna do what? <laughs> yeah, they said something like, uh, you're gonna do what? Well, really, that's stupid. <laughs> it's, it, it, I don't argue with that point. It probably was stupid, but it's not that we didn't know anything we didn't suspect anything that's right and so therefore 
we kind of went into this thing just um, not knowing what was coming down the road, but knowing that there was something special about what we were doing. Mm -hmm. We had no earthly idea what God had planned for us, but he has certainly shown himself in 55 years as to what he wants, had wanted to do with us in the very beginning. But there had to be some major changes in our life for that to happen. You need to know that we had, we got to the point five years ago that we had 50th anniversary. And we kind of turned around and said, really, we've been married for 50 years? I don't get this. Where did the time go? And we stopped and people started asking us, well, how did you stay together? And we looked at one another and we're going, you know what, we didn't do it. It took 50 years of God keeping us together. Um, I taught a, a marriage enrichment class way back a long time ago as a part of a sociology uh, class that I taught in high school. Um, and in that marriage curriculum that year, there was a list of 10 things. If you had these 10 things in your marriage, it's you will have a successful marriage. And I looked at that list and I kind of panicked. And I went home to Ron and I was in tears and I said, honey, we're doomed <laughs> out of this 10 things. We only have two of them. <laughs> and he's, he's kind of trying to calm me down. And I said, but when we looked later on at what the two things were that we had, one was that we had the backing of our family and the other one was that we had God in our lives. And that makes all the difference. And what can happen is that things creep in. Little, bit of, little bitty things creep in. You know that we are made differently, right? <laughs> Men and women are different. Have you noticed that? God designed that. He, on purpose, puts you in this relationship with the person that's sitting next to you. I'd like for you to turn and look at that person right now. Do you see them? That's God's gift to you. That was something that God thought you wanted and needed. There may be times <laughs> when you think that is a booby prize rather than a gift, but, but that's natural. I mean, it happens, and we get past that. Exactly. And sometimes we get lulled into the idea that marriage is to make us happy. It's not. It's to make us holy. Because God is working on us because there are little things that creep in. He hears things differently than I do. I say things differently than he does. He likes it hot. I like it cold. He likes to get up early. I like to sleep in late. Okay? He likes to save money. I like to spend money. Amen. <laughs> That's a match made in heaven, actually. Amen. <laughs> Am I striking a chord with you here? The cliche that says opposites attract, is be it became a cliche because there's an element of truth to it. But those things that attracted you, and you looked so sweet, honey, and so cute, and I just loved you to death, and you were just all so perfect, now those things are going to drive me nuts. <laughs> and is it the beard? Well, that's part of it. Okay, okay. <laughs> it which looks I, good. Which, but which, by the way, we want to thank you for giving us the beginning of fall. Oh, yes. Living in Houston, Texas, we have summer, and then a couple of days in February is a cold, a couple <laughs> of cold days. So we, coming here this weekend and getting to see some kind of transition with the temperature coming down, mm -hmm. one example, about three weeks ago, we were in McAllen, Texas. I was doing a wedding, 
It was on a Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Outdoor wedding, it was still 103 degrees. Yep. That and was hot. And that was hot. in the shade. <laughs> Coming here and, and, and actually looking at the gauge on the car as we were driving in yesterday morning, and it was 69. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, we just, we wanted to get out of the car and just do a little dance. It was <laughs> great. And it has been like coming home, because our hometown is Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and we lived for several years in Clarksville, Tennessee. So this area is home for us, and it's been such a sweet thing. We will let you know that we've had the most fun in that workshop this weekend of any workshop we've ever done. So thank you guys that yes. were there for making it that it way. It was you fun. Wonderful. You were wonderful. But, and part of what we learned and what we talked about in this workshop was the differences, how male and female are different, our different personality types. What we value is different. You know, I want to have fun. Ronnie wants to be quiet. So I can create chaos just by walking in the room when he is silent. <laughs> and, but yet we were opposites that attracted to one another. And so in there somewhere we have to work things out. But occasionally what happens is instead of working things out, we kind of push it over here under the rug. Well, that's not really that important. He misunderstood me, but that's okay. Or we'll push that over here. Well, she goes out and spends too much money, but that's okay. Well, he expects too much. Well, she expects too much. And these little things mount up. And pretty soon, instead of that smile, you know, the photograph, if you notice Facebook, everybody's always happy on Facebook. Don't make the mistake of comparing the inside of your relationship with the outside of somebody else's. We literally knew a couple one time that posted this wonderful vacation that they had had, and wasn't it great and fantastic, and we are so happy, and a month later they filed for divorce. It's not real. Ron and I actually spent, he was on a, a staff of a small church here close by, and we would put on our shiny face on Sunday morning. But you know what? We came to church in different cars because we didn't want to fight in front of the kids. So he would take one child and I would take the other because we had totally different ideas of what it on time is. And you know what? We still do. So Amen. we <laughs> For him, being a half hour early is being like being an hour late. And for me, if I get there five minutes after the time I'm supposed to be there, I'm doing good. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> you get the, I get a testimony over there. That's fantastic. Amen, yes. sister. She says that in heaven there will be no clocks. That's right. There will be no clocks. There'll that will be, no be her joy in heaven. That's right. It absolutely will be. Um, and so uh, it took us probably 50 years. I'm going to shorten your learning curve. Because it finally got to a point where I would say to Ronnie, because he would say, we need to be there early. Okay. Early means one thing to me. It means something else to him. But finally I learned to say, what time do you want to leave the house? <laughs> Give me a specific time that we need to be heading out the door. And you know what? If it's 8.30 that we have to be heading out the door, then if it's 8.25, you cannot be standing at the door going like this. <laughs> there are rules to this game. <laughs> and it's a matter she of... She made the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I have to abide by them. And part of this came from, uh, like we say, we came from the school of hard knocks. And our, our background was also uh, teaching and it was music, but it was never really working with couples until we got to Houston. 
And when we got to Houston, we were at burnout from everything else that we had been doing, so we kind of laid low for a little while. And then we had a couple that asked us, would you like to teach in the Nivewed department? And we started that, and that was in 1981. Mm -hmm. And we have worked with newlyweds, nearlyweds, couples of any sort, married young adult couples. We have done two-on-two uh, -two mentoring. We have done workshops like this. What we really love is that two-on-two -two mentoring with a couple, to seeing them prepare for marriage. But all of that came about from understanding that there are things that we need to know about God's plan. And there are things to understand that there are also things that God can bring us unexpectedly. And in our relationship, we can allow things to, to build up and sometimes have that huge fight. And part of the message today is don't shy away from that huge fight because there's a reason for it. We fully understand the fact that, that conflict is real. It's going to happen. Uh, James tells us very clearly that we will have trials in this life, and we will. But what we have to do is learn from those trials and not be afraid of them and not run from them, but accept them and meet them head on mm -hmm. and through God's grace and through studying his word to give us a foundation to know what to do. Mm -hmm. Then we need to be able to interface with one another in such a way that we can start working through those little issues before they become big issues mm -hmm. or if they become big issues then really recognize what the real problem is and start doing something about it Amen. so you've got all of these disconnects and and problem areas and contentions and what have you but also we have learned that in this walk of life there is joy there is peace mm -hmm. there is understanding mm -hmm. and it comes from support encouragement praise of one another, mm -hmm. listening to one another, trying to fully understand not only who you are, which that's where it starts. Kids, start finding out who you are now. Mm -hmm. It's very important to know who you are and especially who you are in your walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. Amen. Then you can begin to better understand those people that you interface with every day, whether they're your siblings, whether they're uh, classmates, whether there's someone on a soccer team or a softball team or a baseball team or a football team or a basketball team, learn to interface with them because you'll have a better idea of why they respond and react mm -hmm. the way they do because it's all real. Mm -hmm. And the sooner we begin to learn that, the easier it is for us to communicate and to interface with those people that come into our lives. Amen. What we're centering around today is two words, recovery and restoration. Uh, we're all aware of Florence, right? It's still kind of going on. Anybody remember that a year ago we had something called Harvey? And it was in Houston. It was all up and down the Texas seaboard, as a matter of fact. It went in and out, and it, it, it worked its magic all up and down, and I've never seen anything like it. Our house stood under four feet of filthy, filthy sewer water for nine days and there was nothing we could do about it. We were in Fort Worth, thank you, Father, that we had a place to go. Um, and I, personally, I was scared to death. I've never experienced anything like that before. We've been in Houston a long time and there've been hurricanes, but we had never seen anything like this. We actually had a weatherman friend of ours that kind of got off to the corner when, as he was uh, in the, between broadcasting and he, he just kind of curled up in the fetal position because he'd never seen anything like this before. Um, 
we were in Fort Worth. I don't know about you, but I'm a worrier. And I know God says I'm going to provide, but I wasn't exactly believing him at that point in time. And so we're facing coming back to Houston and not knowing what to face. We had just gotten the word that we needed to leave right away because there were no supplies in Houston. People were starting to loot a little bit. You needed to be there to take care of your property. You needed to be there to start cleaning things out. And so that morning that we were getting ready to leave, I woke up and I turned on my YouVersion Bible, looked at my daily scripture. And I don't know how many of you have ever gotten comfort out there from the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> I never had before. But Deuteronomy 31.8 that morning said, Do not worry. Know that it is your Lord God himself that goes before you. Because we were looking at coming back to Houston and not knowing what devastation was there. And what started to happen in that, this event that has been over a year-long journey for us is that God wasn't just teaching us about he's going to provide. He was providing for us physically, but he was also providing for us emotionally. And he has taught us things about our relationship. And recovery and restoration is one of those. Let's look at the definitions. Okay. So recovery is different from restoration, believe it or not, because recovery means to get back something, regain something that was lost. As I was there in Houston, I could think of things in my, I'm sorry, as I was there in Fort Worth, I could think of things in my house that I, oh, why didn't I pick it up? My favorite Bible was up on a, on a shelf. A statue of, that I prized was someplace else. The last picture of my mother was on the piano. Our only wedding picture was on the hearth. God brought to mind to me 12 things. And I'm sitting there, and none of them, by the way, was money. <laughs> it was all things that meant something to me. And I said, Lord, if you, will just, if you will just let me have these things back, I would appreciate it. And I made a, a list in my journal of those 12 things. And when we got back, to cut a long story short, when we got back, guess how many, Lord, allowed me to recover? Not 12 but 15, because there were three things that I hadn't thought about that he restored to me as well. And one of them was a ring that I thought, I, his mother's ring that I thought I had lost years ago. He allowed me to recover these things. There were things that, I was, that were lost. There are things in our relationship that we think what we have lost that God will allow us to recover. The other one is restoration. To, that means to bring back into an existence to its original condition. When our house was mucked out, and you're going to see some pictures in just a minute, it was a shell of its former self. Sometimes our relationship is a shell of its former self because there are things that need to be cut away. It says in the scripture that God will restore what the locust has destroyed, and that locust destroying is down to the, to the ground so that it looks like this. And he, re he will restore and bring it back if we turn it over to him. So we'll take a look at three different things that will help us in this restoration and recovery. When things blow up in our relationship at home, there are some things that we can look at that are vitally important to prepare us ahead of time so that when these things do happen, we've already got a foundation to work with. And then if we don't, we still have these three things that we can be practicing and be a part of in order to get us through whatever that might be. 
The first thing is gratitude. It lays the foundation for what you need to work through. Amen. It's vitally important that we are grateful for God, for the things that he provides for us, things that we don't even know he's provided that he has provided for us. We need to constantly thank him for the blessings that we're not aware of because mm -hmm. we never know for sure all that he has done for us. So gratitude is incredibly important. Surrender is the next thing. It removes those things that will stand in the way. So those things in your life that you know are stumbling blocks in this relationship with this person that God has brought to you, you need to be able to recognize those things, identify them, and then be able to turn those over to the Lord. Allow him to take charge and take hold of those things in your life that are stumbling blocks. And kids, this is true for you too because sometimes pride, ambition, resistance, digging heels in, all of those things can keep you from growing exactly the way God wants you to grow. Mm -hmm. Remember the, the difference in, in our concept of what on time was? That sounds like a small thing. But until you learn to handle some of the small things, the bigger things are not going to be well, well served at all. The third thing is intentional living. That's finding ways of being intentional to help you with the first two. Amen. Because when you do these things intentionally and not just do them on the spur of the moment and spontaneously because all of a sudden something is blown up and you're trying to figure out what to do, no. Start being intentional about things that will help you to remember to be grateful mm -hmm. and to exhibit gratitude to your Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. It will help you prepare and look at and identify those things that you need to surrender. Mm -hmm. But it's being intentional about it and not just spontaneous and allowing it to happen when something comes up. You want to be prepared as much as you possibly can. And as so, a let me interrupt, Jeff, yeah. one thing. As a married couple, my, my suggestion is, is this to you. I want to decide for myself what I need to surrender to God. I don't decide what Ron needs to do. I tried that for years. It doesn't work. <laughs> my, my prayer as a young bride was, Lord, I, I know this was your gift to me, but please change it. Change the color of the bow. Do something. Uh, put a better wrapping on it. Um, would you just please change him? Excuse me. <laughs> Did you really think that? Uh, well, I was praying, Dad, but I, I wasn't going to let you know because okay. we weren't praying okay. together at that point well, in time. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, good point. we weren't praying together at that point in time. Good point. I was doing good to pray by myself at that point. That truly was my prayer. And then finally, after years, it washed down over me. Rosemary, you can't change him, and I'm not going to change him at your command. So who can you, who can you and I really work with here? Uh, me, Lord? <laughs> you want to change me? Me? You want to change me? And I had, <laughs> I had to understand that there were things about me that was standing in the way of our relationship, and those things I could surrender to him. And I can be intentional about what I surrender to him, and then as we grow closer together, we can be intentional about what we as a couple want to work on in our relationship. Once we can be more transparent with one another, but we've got to get rid of some of the non-transparency yeah. first. So let's take a look at a natural disaster. Yeah. What's the first thing we see here? 
This yeah. is the picture oh, of our, oh, oh, went <laughs> too far. This is a picture of our living room before the flood. Yeah. Rather cozy. I mean, we felt very, very comfortable in that living room. It was, it, it had the, the decorations and, and, the, and the artwork on the walls. Uh, the furniture uh, was comfortable. We'd lived in it for a while, and it just, it, it, you had a spot that just fit perfectly for you. And so we were comfortable with that having no earthly idea that that was temporal. And here's another point. That picture looks real cozy, doesn't it? What it doesn't show you is the mess over behind the camera in the dining room. You can't see that. I'm showing you the part that I want you to see about my house. Mm -hmm. I'll show you the part in my relationship that I want you to see of me. The thing about it is when you're dating, and this is another young person thing when you're dating, you're really dating one another's PR department. <laughs> you never let the other person truly see who you are because they might not like you. So before we go to the next <laughs> slide, I want to give you a timeline. We left our home Friday, August the 25th in the afternoon. We pulled together some clothes. We got our cat, put her in her travel box, which she hadn't done in 14 years. <laughs> and we took off to Fort Worth. The next day, that was on Friday, the next day on Saturday, Harvey hit Houston. That was August the 26th. August the 27th, we became very aware of the fact that our house was flooding. Mm -hmm. Started out just um, a, a, a minor flood. From the rain itself, it was just a minor flood. Our, Neighbors across the street were keeping us up to date with what was going on. By Sunday night, our house probably had four to four and a half feet of water in it. Our neighbors, all of our neighbors that had stayed, were being evacuated by boats. It was a mandatory evacuation. We knew at that point that our house was really in bad shape. Now, the water settled for about three feet. It was a big rise because they released Attic Reservoir and it just came into our neighborhood. It had actually lifted my condensing unit up off of the pad and set it off to the side. In our garage, it had lifted a refrigerator up and it was at a 45 degree angle. Water can do some strange things to anything. So this had happened from a Friday to a Sunday. Sunday night at midnight, it's when we got the word from them they were being evacuated. <clears throat> so, from the 27th until the 6th, the morning of the 6th, which was a Wednesday morning, we headed to Houston. And Rosemary, it was a fight. Rosemary was saying, I'm not prepared to go back home. We can't go until tomorrow. I've got too much to put together, and I'm going, we don't have a choice. We've got to get back to our home mm -hmm. to start immediately. It's already been underwater for nine days. Right. So we headed out. Rosemary found this verse. We talked a lot about what are we going to face when we get home. We knew it was going to be somewhat devastating. We just didn't know to what extent it was going to be. We did a lot of praying in that mm -hmm. five and a half hours driving Amen. home. Amen. We, and we had uh, about a dozen couples had contacted us and said, when you get to Houston, you have a place to stay. But one of the couples was a couple that I had married three years prior, and they kept getting in touch with us. He kept driving by our neighborhood every day on his way to work, 
giving me an update of what the level of water was, which, like I say, for roughly nine days, there was no recession whatsoever of the water. We made the decision to stay with them, and that Wednesday night, we pulled into their house, and they gave us half of their upstairs and said to us, this is your home for as long as you need it. We're thinking, okay, three months max, we're going to be back in our home. It didn't quite work that way. <laughs> the next morning, Jay and I and two of our friends pulled up to our house, got out of the, our cars, and prayed. Mm -hmm. That's when I found the condensing unit. And then we stepped into the house, and this is what we began to see. All our worldly goods and possessions, totally destroyed, turned upside down, every which way but loose. And I want you to, to really take a look. I wish I'd made this one bigger. Do you see that this one right one here. there? That is 54 years of marriage. Our treasure dragged to the street by friends and strangers in a stack higher than our ceiling, higher than our rooftop. And that was our life at that point in time. Which, by the way, this picture was taken on Friday. Saturday, it was higher than that. Yeah. You could, we could, our neighbors and I could not see each other for the stack mm -hmm. of stuff. And, and he had an equal stack on his side <laughs> as well. When you drove into our neighborhood, it looked like a war zone. And what you can't see here either is the tension between Ron and me at this point in time. Remember, God's teaching us. This is not just about a physical disaster. This is about our relationship. Because I deal very much with feelings, and he deals very much with facts. And he kept trying to change my feelings with his facts, and I wasn't having it. <laughs> Ladies, can I hear an amen? <laughs> Man, she was tough to deal with for days. <laughs> so, but then we began the process. You know, sometimes you realize there's some work to be done. And so you do start the process, and we started that process on our house. So, so this, this looks a little better. Yeah. At least the house has been cleaned out. All the flooring is gone. Most of the sheetrock is gone because what they have to do is they have to, they have to actually take the sheetrock out two and a half to four feet above the mold line or the water line. But unfortunately for us, with it being there for nine days, the mold had started growing too high up the wall, mm -hmm. and they were having to take more sheetrock out. But at least it's a heck of a lot better looking there mm -hmm. than it was when we first walked in. Mm -hmm. But we, started, we knew we had a lot of work ahead of us. Yeah, we started putting out fans. And we also started being cautioned about this chimney thing. You've got to be careful of the chimney. I'm going, okay, what's the deal with that? And so the guy that we was... W yeah, what, what we wanted to do was we wanted to have mold certification mm -hmm. so that we, if, when we decide to sell the house, if we do, and someone says, oh, by the way, did your house flood? And we can say yes, but oh, by the way, here's our mold certification. We're mold-free. Because I can assure you, we were not mold-free at that point. Amen. It was bad. So one of, the, excuse me, one of the things we had to do was all the brick had to come off of our chimney because they had to see inside what it looked like and how much, if any, mold was in there. This and, is what we found. And, and let me interject as well, because some folks were saying, no, you don't have to take all the brick off. All you have to do is kind of look in the back. Just look in the back. It'll be fine. And we're going to make a point of this in just a second. Because when we did take the brick off, mm -hmm. 
That's this what, is what we, we found. found. Is that not the most disgusting thing you have ever seen? The inside of our the in <laughs> oops. Oops. The inside of our chimney was completely rotted. Completely. What had happened was I'm sorry it happened. Okay. What had happened what had happened was <laughs> <laughs> what had happened was. Let's see if I can do it without <laughs> stuttering. Okay. okay. Um, the flashing had been installed wrong on each side of the chimney. So as a result, for years, every time it rained, water had been pouring down on both sides of our chimney. We didn't know that. When they started taking the bricks off, when they were up next to the ceiling, when that area of brick started coming off the ceiling dropped 18 inches. It was all rotted. But here's what happened. There was a catastrophe. There was a really bad hurricane. That's bad. But here's the good side. It exposed the problems. Amen. The corner of our master bathroom was completely rotted. It exposed the problem. It took a blow up of nature to expose the problems in our home. Mm -hmm. It takes sometimes an, exposure, an explosion of conflict mm -hmm. in a relationship to expose the problems. Amen. And we have to listen and to be open with one another when those things happen mm -hmm. because they're real. And we can put them under the rug we can ignore them, but they're real. We had seen the signs for years. Little puddles of water here and a little sag there. and uh, you know, We had seen the signs and we were just going, well, it, it can't be all that bad. There's not that much. It can't be all that bad. And we do the same thing with our relationships. Those little things, those little differences that never get resolved. The scriptures say, do not go to bed angry. That doesn't mean you're going to resolve everything before you go to bed each time. So you don't have to stay up and like worry it to death. It just means forgive one another at this point in time before you lay down to sleep and sleep in harmony. But you still have to resolve things eventually. And you have to learn how to do that give and take. I don't mean compromise, I mean true resolve. Because if you have a resolve, that means that his needs are met and my needs are met. We decided a long time ago that when we're choosing furniture, we're not going to choose a piece of furniture unless he really likes it and I really like it. If he really likes it and I don't, we pass it by. If I really like it and he doesn't, we pass it by. That is an area of resolve in our relationship. It doesn't sound like much, but I tell you what, it has made a lot of fun in our marriage, and it's made us enjoy our home when we have had those things that we put in there that we both cherish. And so if we are choosing the actions in our relationship that we both cherish and that meet the needs of both of us, then we have a relationship that is a lot healthier. And we're not covering up things. We're not building things up because that's when, that's when this occurs, okay? So just finding it allowed us to start the restoration process because finding it allowed us to reconstruct what was there. 
My only regret is I don't have a picture of the final product. Maybe I'll send it to you, Matt, and you can show everybody. Yes. Uh, because we, we love our new chimney. That doesn't sound like a whole lot, but we love it. And it actually became the focal point of everything else that we have done in the house. And our promise to God was, Lord, if you let us restore this house, if you restore this house to us, our dedication from this point on is that it will be used primarily to minister to your couples that we come in, in contact with. And, and he, but he has shown us in this physical example, sometimes we're afraid to fight. And it, it's okay to fight as long as we don't do it unfairly. Okay, there's actually a book out there calling How to Have a Fair Fight. And when we have rules of engagement, and when we honor and respect one another, it's okay for me to say, I disagree with you. And it's okay for him to say, I disagree with you on this point. Now, what do we want to get to? What does our team want to get to? Because we're really on the same side. Okay, let's, let's move on and, and look at one of our points called gratitude. Mm -hmm. You see, we knew... I mean, you can, you can intellectualize this. We knew that everything belonged to God anyway. We were just stewards of it. It was all his. It was 54 years of marriage that we had collected, but it was still his. Mm -hmm. And we had to understand that. Was there grief? Yes. There was a lot of tear shed. I mean, even during the working process, uh, about every two hours, I would just grab, and sometimes we had as many as... 15 and 20 people there just dragging stuff out of the house. But we would stop about every two hours and pray. We would give gratitude. We would offer surrender. And we would try to be intentional about what we were doing, knowing that the ultimate goal was to restore and to recover. That's what we were shooting for. So it was a blessing in some instance to go through this because it taught us so much. And we could look at a parallel between what is really happening in nature and what is really happening in our lives. Amen. Because not realizing the stress we were under, we were under such stress that we were having a difficult time dealing with one another. Mm -hmm. But God had a way of opening that up and teaching us things that were vitally important. So in the middle even of a broken relationship, stop, get together and say, or one of you initiate it, I am totally grateful for this in our relationship right now, something that we have right now that I am grateful for. And you do one and have your spouse do the other one and share it with one another because there's always a point, there's something to be grateful to God about. We were grateful that God allowed us to go to Fort Worth. We're grateful that God allows us to hear one another. Mm -hmm. So what we would like for you to do at this point in time, um, and uh, maybe because of the time, we'll just f ask them to do it later on. Okay. Okay. Um, because you have a note-taking sheet, is that right? And on that note-taking sheet, on the back, there is a cross that looks very much like this one. So maybe one of the things that you do... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Maybe one of the things that you do this afternoon over lunch or in a quiet time, maybe have that date night. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But write down something of, that you're grateful for in your relationship right now. Matt, you want them to do it right now? Do it right now, Matt says. So we're going to give you 30 seconds. It's not that hard. 
something that you are grateful for in your relationship right this minute. And kids, there may be, some, there may be something you're grateful for. You know, in there may family? be a great friend at school or right. a great friend right here in this church that you know and you're grateful mm -hmm. for them. Maybe there's somebody that listens to you. While you're doing that, I'm going to give you a verse. It's Romans 12:12. 12, 12. Um, a few years back, I had for uh, either four and a half or five and a half months, I had migraines 24/7. I could not get rid of the migraines. And in one of my devotionals, I came across Romans 12:12, 12, 12, and Paul, who has a way of expounding, actually made something really, really simple. It says, be joyous in hope, patient in affliction, and persistent in prayer. It's kind of like the three things that we're looking at. Because being persistent in prayer is going to enable you to be joyous in hope. Because that's eternal. Hope is Christ. Hope is what Christ can do in our lives. And then be patient in affliction. Because affliction is temporal. I didn't know how long that was going to last, but I knew one thing. My joy comes from Christ, not from the circumstances. And the circumstances eventually, if it was in Christ's will, would go away. So I had to be patient in that. <clears throat> in your relationship and in dealing with conflict, be joyous in hope. Be patient in the distraction that's taking place. But be persistent in prayer because that constantly keeps you revved and prepared for things that do happen. And it allows you to see also what you need to surrender. Remember what we talked about a while ago? There are rough edges to me. There are things about me that do not look like Christ. And part of being in a marriage relationship is to get off some of those rough edges and for me to give up something. With Ron and I, we struggle for control. And so there are times that I have to give up control and he takes the lead or he gives up control and I take the lead. And we try to let the Lord tell us which should come. But I need to decide what I want to surrender to or what God is telling me to surrender to him in order to make our relationship a lot stronger. Uh, I love the fact that, that Matt read from Psalms 131 because this particular verse, 139, I'm sorry, that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. If, see if there's any offensive way in me. And pray that. Is there any offensive way in me? What do you need to change? What do I need to surrender to you to make me more like Christ and make me a, uh, a, a better person in this relationship, more of a team member? There's a place on that cross on the back for you to write down what you are going to surrender. And I am going to give you like 30 seconds. You don't have to write it down now if you're too um, chicken to. No. <laughs> and it's a kind of a personal thing, isn't it? It's kind of a personal thing. This woman getting up here and challenging you on how you want to change. But if you've got something, if God has laid something on your heart, jot it down now. And if, he, if it's not been laid there right now, come back to it before the end of the day. And even though you may put it down privately, be willing to share it with your significant other. 
And if you are a young person, maybe you're willing to share it with a parent or a friend. What do, well, I allow God to change about me. And the final thing is that being intentional. And so, so one of the things over the, the, the last year or so that we have learned is that there are two types of couples. There are couples that want to get everything right and then commit to the relationship. And there are those couples that commit to the relationship and learn how to get everything right. We hope you're in that latter category because you're never going to get it all right. Mm -hmm. You have to commit upfront to do whatever it takes to make it right. I can assure you, Rosemary said we've been married 55 years, or I said that, I'm not sure which. <laughs> I forget, I'm 73, it doesn't always stay there. The idea is we've been married 55 years, but we do not celebrate 55 mm -hmm. years of marriage. Mm -hmm. We celebrate 55 years of Christ mm -hmm. keeping our marriage together. Amen. The founding verse in our ministry called Marriage Connections is Ecclesiastes 4.12, because the second half of that verse says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Always remember that neither of you will ever complete the other. Mm -hmm. You will only complement one another. Mm -hmm. The completion comes when you allow Christ to be in the middle of your relationship. Mm -hmm. It takes all three of you as three separate strands to form the unity that holds it all together. Because there's many times in our lives that either one of us could have easily just thrown our hands up and said, you know what, I didn't bargain for this. This is not what I expected, I'm out of here. But Christ had something else for, in mind for us. Mm -hmm. And we had to constantly turn to him and say, Lord, we can't do this on our own. Mm -hmm. What can you do to keep us together? Because mm -hmm. we're having a really hard time with it. That's right. And he is faithful and will always respond to you when you ask. Amen. And part of uh, that, what Ron is talking about, is being intentional about turning over to the Lord. But there are a few things that you could do right now, baby steps that can help in your relationships. There's something we call the three Ds, and I'm just going to touch on these very quickly. If you're looking for things to help you rebuild your relationship, the first one is start to dialogue daily. 15 minutes max. But give one another some undivided attention for 15 minutes. Even if you have to set boundaries around the kids. Kids, while I'm in the kitchen with your mom, you got to play in the living room, okay? Give yourself 15 minutes where you just talk to and listen to one another as a person, not as a mom and dad even. The second thing is date weekly. Although we don't have the money and we have kids. Uh, have a stay date. <laughs> Put the kids to bed and then have a date. Co-op with somebody to take care of the kids. But purpose to go out and do something. It doesn't have to be something that you spend a lot of money for. Or stay in, put a movie on the television. 
what is a, a date to the two of you? It may just be having dinner at the local pizza parlor. That's wonderful as well. But time that is just for you. And the third thing is depart as often as you can. You take family vacations, I get it. Every now and then give mom and dad a treat. Give husband and wife a treat. Even if you can do that once or twice a year where the two of you just get away. Attend a workshop somewhere. These are physical things that you can start doing right now that helps to mend a relationship because that's how you started. You started by dating. You started by talking and by doing things together. And when you go back and do those first things, it's very, very, very important. So for that last part, what are we as a couple going to be intentional about? That's your homework, okay? Have a date night this week. Be thinking about it. Be praying about it. And on your date night, you decide what the two of you are going to be intentional about as, you, as you're going forward, either enriching or uh, working on this relationship. The final thing is to think about what a gym looks like. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, I missed a point. My apologies. Yes, please do. <laughs> She's I feisty. She just races right ahead. <laughs> sorry about that. That's I, okay. I, I that's, missed a point. That's part and of what we deal with on too. a regular basis. It's yeah. okay. It's okay. <laughs> it is a very important point. What does your prayer life look like? You know, it sounds rhetorical, and I'm, and I'm, I'm leaving it rhetorical, but I want you to really think about this, both of you husband and wife, but primarily husband. If a couple comes to us and says, you know what, we're just really struggling. We're, we're, having, we're having a hard time in this relationship. We're just, things are just not working out. We've tried and we've tried and things are just not working out. The first question that comes out of my mouth mm -hmm. is I look at the husband and say, what does your prayer life look like for your wife? It's kind of the deer in the headlight look. Mm -hmm. It's it's almost like, why are you asking me that? I'm I'm worried about my marriage. Well, that's where it starts. Are you praying for your wife? Mm -hmm. Are you praying out loud for your wife so that she can hear you lift her needs up to the Lord and you're covering those needs with prayer? Mm -hmm. And wives, are you praying for your husbands? Are you calling their name out loud so that they can hear you lift their needs and maybe a, a very complicated meeting they're having that day at work up to the Lord so that the Lord can help cover what is taking place? Now, it's, it's okay to be praying for each other off and on during the day. That's, that's fine. But hearing your spouse call out your name to the Lord for whatever reason changes your day Amen. when we wake up in the mornings and we try to do this as often as we possibly can we hold hands and we pray for each other mm -hmm. and then we get up and you it know what it's really hard it does and it's really hard for me to stay mad at him when I'm praying for him <laughs> or when he's praying for me it's just really hard because I hear his heart at that point in time I'll also let you in on the fact that the Couples that pray together out loud by name as often as they can, daily preferably, have a 90% more success rate in their marriage. 90%. Remember I, I said we had two 
two things. One of those things is a mutual belief in the Lord, but even deeper than that is the, is the prayer life that you have together. And so what is your prayer life with God? Just you and God. And really it's two things. It's, it's active and it's passive. When, when we talk about our quiet time, too often we think about our quiet time as being a, our reading a devotion. We're reading our Bible and we're praying. And that's good. But there's also an element to that quiet time that you have to be very conscious of, and that is be quiet. Mm -hmm. Just sit there. Let God speak to you. Now, does that mean every time you get quiet, you've, you've done your devotion, you've read your Bible, you've prayed, and then you just get quiet, you just sit there? Does that mean every time that happens, God's going to go, I heard your prayer. <laughs> I will respond to you. All is well. No. There are going to be times where you hear nothing. But that's okay. Because you can live in the peace that God heard exactly what you said. Amen. And there are times, though, that you'll get an unction. That's an old good southern colloquial word. I love the word unction. You'll get an unction from the Holy Spirit that God has really heard you and is moving you in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. And also... What does your prayer life look for look like for your children? And kids, what does your prayer life look like for your parents? Because mm -hmm. your parents are going through a lot. The very fact that they're raising you, they're going through a lot. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we love that. But the whole idea is all of this is a complete motion of prayer. Where we're all praying for each other. Mm -hmm. And learn to pray for your friends. Learn to pray for your siblings. I know that's tough. The very fact that you have to live with them, eat with them, and even sometimes talk to them <laughs> is difficult. But they're wonderful. They're God's gift to each of you. Mm -hmm. I know there are times when you wish you were an only child. But... When you start praying for your siblings, your whole attitude and life will change regarding those siblings. We go back to a statement that we made in the very beginning, and that is, marriage is not about making me happy. Marriage is about making me holy. Because the Lord put me in this relationship with this guy. He's got strengths that I don't have. I have strengths that he doesn't have. And we're here for a purpose. And one of the images that we love to share is the fact that we can come become like gemstones. And I don't know whether you know anything about polishing fine gems or not, but it's, it's really a, a very precise process. So if you want to get two gems that are beautifully polished, of course these are faceted, so you gotta do some cutting as well, which is also painful. But you start by taking two stones that are, ver that are the, pretty much the same size. If they're not the same size, one may crack the other one. Then you have to put them in a container called a tumbler. And inside that, you put grit. And you seal it, and you start turning it. And in the process, these two stones begin to hit against one another with the grit. And when that happens, the, the, the roughness and the dullness begins to come off the surface of the stone. 
So what you end up with is you end up with beautiful polished stones and gems. And again, if you do additional cutting, you can really make those things pop. You can really make them shine. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? That's the kind of relationship we're in. God has chosen the two of you because he matched you somehow. And that tumbler is your marriage and it's life. And that tumbling is the stress. It's the lessons that he puts you through. It's the path that he takes you on. And the grit, the grit is God. If you leave out any of those elements, if the stones aren't matched, they will crush one another. If there's no grit, they will literally pulverize one another. If there's no tumbling, everything goes to the bottom in kind of a molten mess. So you need all of those elements in order to create the beauty that God wants us to have. And oh, by the way, the best way to show off that beauty is always against a dark background. So when he's taking us in dark places and he's taking us through lessons, it's because he wants us to look more like him. Our first question should always be, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? And then, Lord, what do you want us to learn from this? And how do you want to use this in our lives? Because every one of us has a story. We've got a place that he has taken us from and a place that he's taken us to. So be intentional about that with one another and start having those kinds of conversations if you haven't already so that your, your gems can shine for him. There is a, a good ending to all of this. September the 8th, which was two weeks ago yesterday, it was one year and 13 days from the day that we left our house. We actually slept in our new bed, in our new home for the first time. And it was an incredible experience. Is there a lot still to be done? Yes, we're still sharing our home with contractors. They come in every day and are doing finish work and punch list work. We still have a lot of boxes that we have to unload and get things put up. We, we have nothing on our walls. We have no rugs on our hardwood floor. And we don't care. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, we can get up in the morning and go take a shower in this beautiful shower that we created. By the way, it's a nice shower. It has a head on both ends. <laughs> it really works well. It was one indulgence. <laughs> yes. Let me say this to you guys. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your lives for these three days. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come back to where our foundation is, and that's the Kentucky-Tennessee border. Living in Hopkinsville, we were right on the Tennessee-Kentucky state line. Living in Clarksville, we were even closer to that line. I spent four and a half years, get this, as a hard rock disc jockey at WABD, which is now, I think it's called Q108. But I had a great time until my kids came to me and said, Daddy, we'd like some new shoes. Would you get a real job again? <laughs> but this is home. And driving through the countryside here has been an incredible experience for us. Mm -hmm. So you have literally blessed us by giving us this opportunity to be here. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to once again, somewhere down the road, seeing you again. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt.